the reading is from Isaiah chapter 35, starting at the first verse. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool and thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the Gospel according to Matthew, written in Matthew chapter 11, beginning at the second verse, Matthew 11, 2. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect somebody else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. 
I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Isaiah was speaking, or writing rather, to a people not unlike ourselves, with real fear and a deep longing. Times were hard, and for them Assyria was an imminent threat to their freedom and to indeed to their survival. If they were weak militarily, they were also weak morally and spiritually. So inevitably, uh, his message to these people was one of judgment, but it was also one of hope. Strengthen your feeble hands and steady the knees that give way. For the crux of his message was simply that the desert and the parched land will be glad, the wilderness will blossom, the glory and the splendor of God will be seen. And then those four wonderful words at the center of this prophecy, your God will come. Your God will come. And that coming would bring with it a a time of healing. Just to remind you of those uh, verses, then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame will leap like deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. What a vision. So the devout Jew longed for the coming of God into their midst, though there were no answers to the questions of when and where or how, though the signs would be there for all to see when it happened. But the essential point is this, whether it be in the nativity or in his return, God's coming is the answer to our deepest need. On Tuesday, uh, Nita and I went to a traditional carol service, traditional in the sense that the readings and carols were all the familiar ones, telling the story again of the nativity of his coming. Though it was a special service to us because it was our son Andrew's uh, service in uh, a beautiful Wren church in the city and attended by Princess Anne. And as we heard again this story, I find myself reflecting on these two Advent readings that we've had this morning and of their relationship to the nativity which we were celebrating. And first I thought about the hiddenness of God which lies behind his coming into our world. Always we are told uh, of the glory of God being such, so brilliant that it must be hidden from our human eyes. So, in his transactions with Moses, God remains in the cloud, though no one could doubt his uh, powerful word as his law was given. In the Exodus, his mysterious presence is to be seen only in cloud and fire, which led them through the desert, 
but again his presence and protection were clear. When they at last came to build the temple, his presence again was hidden in the Holy of Holies at the sacred core of the building, giving meaning and reality to their worship. And so at the start of of that carol service, we heard the voice of God as he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. We heard his judgment on humanity for his disobedience and their consequent exclusion from the garden and distance from God's presence. Though his being is never described, no doubt to the limitations of our humanity, the God who is the creator and the sustainer of life on earth is far beyond our capacity to grasp. So we heard, as we hear in every carol service in St. John's, John's reflection on the word who was, the begin, who was in the beginning, who was with God and who is God, by whom all things are made, and who is the light shining in our darkness. But whilst God remains hidden, there is also the uh, clear theme throughout Scripture of God's advent into our world. So here in Isaiah 35 comes the statement so simple and yet so astonishing uh, and now so familiar that we can miss its significance. Your God will come. And we read of the manner of that coming in every carol service of Mary's visit from the angel and her annunciation, of the shepherds learning of it in the darkness and loneliness of their occupation. To you in David's town is born of David's line a saviour who is Christ the Lord. And in the journey of the Magi bearing gifts for the child which speak both of his kingship but also of his suffering the extraordinary humility of his coming into the stable speaks so clearly of God's love which would drive him to the cross. Mild, he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. So as Isaiah had prophesied long before the coming, the people who, like us, walked in darkness have seen a great light, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has the light shined. So the mystery of the incarnation is revealed. And then we come to the New Testament passage. John the Baptist was a great figure on the scene in Judea, dynamic, his preaching compelling, yet he chose to work in remote desert areas where the crowds who came to him had to hear his call to repentance and and left him with a sense of having been cleansed as they committed themselves to a fresh start. And as Jesus said of him, there was no one greater than John, yet John always points away from himself to the one who would be more than a prophet, of whom John was merely the messenger, sent to prepare the way. For John, despite his greatness, wasn't worthy even to touch the buckle of his sandals. 
By that stage, however, John had become too charismatic uh, for the powers to be too distracting, too dangerous to the status quo. So he'd been arrested and confined to prison where he no doubt heard the reports about what was happening to Jesus. And in the dark and confined space which had become the limit of his world, doubts began to build up in his mind. Was this Jesus, a leader really like David, come to defeat the nation's enemies and lead them to a new era of prosperity and even glory? So John dared to ask the question to which his doubts drove him. Are you he that should come, or should we expect someone else? And the answer was not in some theological statement or some bold claim to divinity, but merely to refer to what was going on around him, which gave an indication of the nature of his being and the works that he was doing were an expression of the person that he was. Just as in Isaiah 35, the statement that your God will come, the Advent promise, went on to claim that his coming would transform the world in healing and new life, and that there would be a highway there called the way of holiness, the way the pilgrim must walk. So says Jesus of the messengers, Go back and report what you see. The blind do receive sight. The lame do walk. The lepers are cured. The deaf do hear. And even the dead are raised. And the poor find good news at last. Blessed is the man who will not fall away on account of me. The challenge to those who hear and believe that promise of his coming is that we should walk that way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way, the redeemed and the ransomed of the Lord will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. John the Baptist's question about Jesus is the world's question about the church. Are your claims about your God true? Can your God be really the reality behind the world? And what impact does your God have upon your life? Our answer ought to be, see how those who walk that way of holiness are being spiritually healed, who have found freedom and new life and joy in the Lord, who's come and is always coming. And we have to say with shame that the message the church often sends out is at best confusing, for it's always touched by failure, by human weakness, and by compromise. So as we hear again the message of the angels, and in heart and mind go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, and the babe lying in the manger... Let's remember that our God has come and will come again. And let's renew our devotion to him and our service to the world as we bear witness to the healing of our spirits and to the freedom of our souls and as we walk along that highway, the way of holiness.
for our God has come to us and will come again. And meanwhile, he's committed to us his work of healing and renewal of service and love. Amen.